0: Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Halgrimson. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, It's a wonderful day. The sun's shining. The weather's great. I know everybody is set to start enjoying spring, and we're so pleased that you would stop in and just take some time with us today, and uh, we'll go over some scriptures today. Today's message is a continuation of the why should I message, and today we're going to cover why should I. Be obedient to the Lord. And we'll get into that in just a minute. I just want to say thank you. We've got people tuning in from all over the world. Uh, One of the countries that that I noticed here lately, and it surprised me, was Romania, and that's pretty neat. France, you are always tuning in, and I appreciate that so much. I know you catch our podcast. Every time we release, you're you're one of the first countries that actually uh, downloads and listens to our podcast. And that's, it just amazes me every time. I'm so thankful for you. And uh, thank you for tuning in. As for the rest of the world, the same, the United States, and then there are many, many countries. I think the last time I looked, 23 countries tune in from time to time. And we want to thank you all for tuning in and for, for being so kind to us. Now, Be sure and and check out our website, truepatriotministries.org. If you have suggestions or improvements that you'd like to see on the website, or maybe you're having some problems uh, getting in and making a comment or anything like that, just drop us an email at reachout, that's R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. And let me know that you're having a difficulty with the website or that you have suggestions for the website. And I will take those into consideration. I will try to get any technical glitches fixed as quickly as possible. We've got a very good crew that works on the internet or the website, sorry. And uh, I really appreciate all that they do for us. Now, we are on Roku and on Vimeo now. This is new edition. We've been there for a little less than two weeks. And so this will be the third video message that is recorded specifically for Vimeo and for Roku, and then for our podcast. And so between the three, we are really expanding the ministry, and we really appreciate everybody's uh, tuning in, whether it's by audio or it's by video. And I know Roku, between Roku and Vimeo, it's really, you guys have been so generous to us. The The first week of video production We've had a lot more um, interaction than we had anticipated, and and that's always exciting. So thank you very very much for that, and for the podcast. Hey, you guys are consistent, and uh, for for the most part, we hit the same numbers week to week, and we increase a little bit. I will say we produced our seventy fifth podcast last Wednesday. And uh, so that's a mile marker for us. And we've had almost 2,000 downloads on our podcast. So we're excited about that. Everything is growing and expanding, and we really appreciate uh, your viewership. Everybody who's tuning in, who's listening, who's watching, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you know, let me start today with a prayer. Lord, I just pray over everybody who is watching or listening to this episode, Father. Lord, I pray that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. Lord God, that they would see and hear the word of God, the word of truth, and receive it in their spirits. And I do ask you, Lord, not only do I ask you to bless them, that your favor be upon them, I ask you, Lord, to grant them wisdom and revelation into you and your word and your way. Father, that all may come to a better understanding, a greater knowledge, more wisdom, and and just a better fellowship, a better intimacy with you, Father. We pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us would walk worthy of the price that you paid for us through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. So let's get into today's message. Why should I be obedient? And and this, I believe this is a question for every believer, every believer, excuse me. I believe this to be a question for every believer and we've probably all asked it at least once in our life. And, and probably multiple times. Why should I? Why should I? It just doesn't seem to be working, or this doesn't seem to be happening quick enough, or however you want to say it, you know, whatever the issue is. Now, for non believers, I want to enlighten your ignorance. And for the rebellious, I want to leave you no excuse. And this is why we're going to cover this today. Now, let's start out in Romans two twelve through 16. OK, so Romans chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. And I'm in the modern English. And it reads, as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For the hearers of the law are not justified before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, not having the law, are a law unto themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness while their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them in the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. So we see in this verse, he's saying, look, uh, the law is written. and, And just because you know the law, but you're not necessarily a doer of the law doesn't mean that you won't be judged by the law. Look, What God is trying to get across to this world is the law is there. And whether you want to acknowledge it or not, whether you want to walk in obedience to it or not, it's still there. That doesn't change that he has set laws in place that you will be judged by. Now, let's look at Romans 319 real quick. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and all the world may become accountable to God. So whether we admit the law or ignore the law, we will still be judged. Now, earlier I said for non believers, I want to enlighten your ignorance. So let's talk about ignorance for a moment. Ignorance is just a lack of knowledge of a certain subject. All right. And that's what I mean by enlightening non-believers. I want to enlighten your ignorance. It's, I want to uh, show you, tell you prove to you these things, not because you're stupid, which is a choice, but because maybe you're just ignorant of it. You don't have the proper knowledge of it. And and so if I put it out there for you, you do have the knowledge that you now have to make a decision with. And, and that part's your responsibility. My part is just to get it to you, to put it out there so that you can see it, you can know it, you can understand it. And then your part is to make a decision, yay or nay. And, and that's your choice. I, I don't persuade people. I don't push people. I don't intimidate people. Look, I am a vessel for information and that's pretty much it. Um, the rest of it is up to you. Okay. Now for the rebellious, I want to leave you no excuse. Now, what I mean by that is now that you've been made aware, you have no excuse for being rebellious. Now it's, it's still up to you. You still have free will. You still get to choose. Do I desire to be rebellious or do I want to repent and come back to God? And, and start to learn these things. Now, don't get caught up in do's and don'ts. We're not here to preach do's and don'ts. Okay? Obedience is different than legalism. Okay? Legalism has absolutely no grace to it. Obedience has grace. Are there repercussions? Yes. Yes. Will you be told when you're wrong? Yeah, God's going to let you know. He's going to correct you. Is that a bad thing? No. When we grow up as children and we grow into adults, that whole time is a learning process where people are constantly (laughs) correcting us so that we can maintain our course and do the least amount of uh, damage to ourselves, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, or physically as possible. You know, a football coach is going to tell somebody, hey, don't hit somebody else that way. You're going to get hurt. Hit them this way. Right. A wrestling coach is going to tell somebody, hey, don't do that move in that way. We need to trim your technique and do it a little bit differently. It's just with any sport, any athletics, even in education, they're going to tell you, hey, don't use this word this way. Use it that way. It's correction, right? We're going to spend our lives. I I don't care how old you are when you go to heaven to meet your maker. You're going to stand in correction until that time because we are not perfected. We are not perfect. We are constantly learning. And if you're not learning, then you're simply the dead awaiting on death to hit your body. And I know that sounds crass, but that's the truth. If you're not growing if you're not learning, if you're not doing, then spiritually, emotionally, you're pretty much dead. Just your body doesn't know it yet. Don't allow yourself to get caught in that. That's a, that's a trap of the devil. Don't allow yourself to be in there. Break out of it. Break out of it. If you've got five minutes left to live in your life, make them glorious. Make them awesome. Make them the best five minutes of your life. Okay? Don't just sit there and and watch the clock tick down. We we were designed to live and live robustly. Okay? Not, um, and, and I know people confuse the word meek. You know, they take it to, you know, meek as a mouse or whatever. Now, you're not a doormat. You're not you're not a mouse. Uh, You're a man and a woman of God. You're a brother and a sister. And he's got a spirit of boldness for you that's just waiting for you. Okay, so don't get caught up in in what people want you to believe is the truth. Get into the word of God and find out what the truth is. Don't trust a dictionary online that can be changed at a moment's notice because of somebody's agenda or somebody took offense to something. I'm going to tell you right now, if you go through the Bible and and nothing in the Bible, if you read the whole Old Testament and all the New Testament and you go all the way through to Revelations and you put it down and you go, wow, that was really cool. And you didn't find anything in there that offended you, that bothered you. And you're not reading the word of God because there are things in there. I don't care how far grown you are in the word of God. There are things in there that are going to bother you. They're going to offend you. They're going to pull at your heart, right? They're going to pull at your emotions. Don't, don't read the word of God just to read the word of God, read the word of God to invest in yourself. And there are things in there that are going to offend you. They're going to bother you. They're going to um, try you. They're going to challenge you. And it's because it's the truth. And we spend so much time in a world that right now, this digital world, they don't want you to know the truth. They don't want you to be challenged. They don't want you to uh, think for yourself. They want to tell you what to think. They don't want to tell you or teach you uh, the process of thinking, how to think things through, how to how to do critical thinking or any of that. I mean, they they teach you uh, "quote unquote" uh, critical thinking, but all it is is truly if this person says this and that offends you, then the, this must be the truth and not this. And and so we have a culture now that is thoroughly confused in a lot of aspects and it's time for the church to step up and I'm talking about the body of Christ step up. This isn't even in my notes, but we're getting into offense, and I want you to know because we're going to go through some rules. We're going to go through some obedience and it's going to bother you. It's going to challenge you, but don't run from it. Okay. We, we need to tell the world to shut up, to sit down and take its place in our lives. Remember, we are of the world We're excuse me, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And you remember, uh, 1st John 4, 4, I believe it's 1st John 4, 4, uh, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Jesus, they hated Jesus because he drug everything out into the light. He was the light. He could not walk down a street without shedding light in the darkness, And the light always overcomes the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome the light. And so men don't like light being shined upon their evil and their wicked deeds, upon their deviousness, upon their perverseness. They don't like it. They want all that kept in secret, right? And so don't be alarmed at things that challenge you. If you have to, put it away for now until you've matured enough that you can go back and you can take a hold of that and you can work through it. All right. So this will challenge you. If it doesn't challenge you, there's something wrong. There's definitely something wrong. There's all kinds of things in the word of God that will challenge anybody, even a mature person. Okay. But, but through Jesus Christ, we have the ability to come in front of the Lord and learn the mysteries of God. That's for us, right? And it's not, it's not instantaneous, okay? This is a process, and you need to realize it's a process. So let's move on a little bit into the notes here. Um, let me go to Romans chapter 2. Let's look at verses 5 through 11. It says, But because of your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are storing up treasures of wrath against yourself, on the day of wrath, when the righteous judgment of God will be revealed, and He will render—excuse render, me—He will render to every man according to his deeds. To those who by patiently doing seeking, uh, doing good seek glory and honor, and immortality will be eternal life. But to those who are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath will be tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man who does evil to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But glory, honor and peace will be to every man who does good work to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, for there is no partiality With God. Okay, so a couple things to notice here. We're going through a time and a tribulation in the United States of America, well, all over the world, where skin color has decidedly played such a divisive role. And, and like many have said, look, that skin color, that's only a sixteenth of an inch deep. And if you're going to let that 16th of an inch determine who you like and who you don't like, who you love and who you hate. Then you need to back up and reevaluate you. OK, and I'm going to tell you, if you're in that position and you're struggling with it, get in the word of God. God's the one that changed skin colors and languages. OK, it it, it was not. Any other reason than we needed to, we needed to divide people for a time so that they would come back and seek God. So don't let that 16th of an inch determine who you are. What your value is, where you're supposed to live, where you're supposed to go to church, where you're supposed to go to school. That's nonsense, guys. Nonsense. Now, he's saying, I'm not partial. Well, what's he saying I'm not partial to? If you look, he says to the Jew and the Gentile. So there are his chosen people, the Jewish, Israel, right? And the the other classification is all others. Do you get that? All others. Two classifications. So let's go on to John chapter 1, verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And that's where we get that grace in there. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says, do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish. I have come to fulfill. And so that fulfillment, we're going to get into that a little bit. That's ours through him. Now, I want to talk about salvation for just a moment, because salvation is the key to all of this. And again, I'll challenge you. Salvation The word soteria, get a concordance, go and look at it, meditate on it. It means so much more than just salvation. There's uh, preservation, there's safety, there's deliverance, there is salvation, uh, and, and health and healing. There's so much in that word. So salvation, what's the process? Quite simply, the process is first repentance. And, and repentance isn't this sorrowful, uh, emotional, it can be, but it's not necessarily. Repentance, it's a head thing, guys. This is where your intelligence, your knowledge, your wisdom, your man wisdom, your worldly wisdom can, can stop and go, hey, I'm simply going to make a decision that I want to follow God. So I am going to stop. I'm going to do an about face and I'm going to go back to God. Okay, that's all that is. It's a mental decision to turn around, to do an about face, to turn back to God. Now, the next part is you're going to call on the name of the Lord to save you. And then we have baptisms and there's several baptisms. This is not the time to go through that. Uh, Just know there's the baptism into Jesus Christ. That's your when you uh, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's the water baptism, which is an outward expression of an inward decision. And then there's uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit and baptism of fire. So and, and those will be for another time. It's not for right now. Now, I want you to see, because we're talking about salvation, let's look at Romans chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 13. And this is the modern English again. Uh, verse 8. But what does it say? The word, which is Jesus Christ, the word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, this is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord, overall, is generous to all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, I want you to notice, now he said it a little differently. Verse 12, it says, For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. It's the same as saying there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile, there's no distinction between Jew and all others. Through Jesus Christ, his salvation is available to every person in this world. So, simply call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord. You'll be saved. So salvation, even that salvation is super simple. It's not complicated. Don't allow people to make it complicated for you. And don't let your head get in the way of your heart, Okay. Salvation, the repentance is the mental part. Okay, that's where your head comes in. But salvation itself, the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said you're receiving him into your heart. You're confessing him with your mouth. All right. What goes into the heart of a man is what comes out of the mouth of a man. So if you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, go back, change what's in your heart. So you want salvation to be a heart thing. It's a heart matter, okay? If you never get the word of God and you never get Jesus from here to your heart, then just stop what you're doing and and seek help because you need to get him out of here and into here. Jesus belongs in your heart. He doesn't belong in your head. Now, we, I don't want to say this, Lord. Lord. We refresh and we renew our minds through the Word of God, through the meditation of the Word. And and meditation is super simple. Uh, I know there's a lot of books out there on meditation, and they've taken and and complicated it, and maybe they've taken and perverted it, twisted it, turned it into something that it's not. Meditation is simply here. We will use—let me use— because we're going to talk about grace and forgiveness next. So let me let me use Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Go there, find it, follow me in this, okay? If you have to, pause the recording and, and get to it, and then come back to the recording, start back up. So meditation is simply reading through the scripture and putting the emphasis on a different word each time. This is really, really effective. It does help you to get it down inside you. It also exposes different um, revelations about the scripture. OK, so we're going to use Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. Now I am in the King James. You can follow along in whatever version you're in. So what I'm going to do is put emphasis on a different word every time I read the sentence through. So first time through in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have redemption through his blood, The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Okay. You follow me here? In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Glory to God. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood, uh, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of, excuse me, to the riches of his grace. And of course, the last one, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace grace. Glory to God. And so you see, as you go through and you put the emphasis on a different word, each time you read through, it brings to light more and more about that scripture. It's so good. There's so much information in just one scripture. There's so much revelation that you can receive in one scripture. So don't don't forget to meditate. Yes, read the word, read through the word, Uh, sometimes I'll go through and I'll read a whole chapter or a a whole book, and then I'll go back and read it a chapter at a time. Right. And if I find something in there that catches me, I'll go back and I'll meditate on that. There are scriptures that will pop out to me that I, uh, I will sit down and meditate on, um, some of them that I have used and meditated on that I really enjoy. Second Timothy one, seven, uh, Psalm 34, verse seven, Psalm 37, verse four. Uh, Isaiah 58:11, I may have said that already. And then uh, 2 Timothy 1:7. you know those are some of the verses that I have meditated on that really captured my heart and I've been able to use them to help myself. So let's get back into this. So let's talk about grace and forgiveness. We see here that through Jesus Christ we have the redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. And that's according to the riches of his grace. Did we earn it? No. Did we work for it? No, you can't. It's through his grace. Grace is a gift. It's his favor. He's giving it to us as a gift. And he's saying here, I love you. Even though you're my enemy, I still love you. And and what I mean by that is if you're not saved, he considers you uh, the enemy because of sin. Sin is between you and he. Uh, so on and so forth, and we'll cover that a little bit. So it's by the riches of his grace, and and this is a wonderful thing. Next, let's talk about faith, hope, and love. I'm setting us up to get into why do we do these things in obedience to the Lord? Why should I? All right. So faith, hope, love. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. I do suggest you read the whole chapter, but we're going to look specifically at verse 13. And it reads, so now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And this will fall together here in just a minute. And then Romans 5, 5, and it reads, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So when we receive Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, he sends him here he comes and he indwells us. When he comes and indwells us, we get a measure of faith and we get the love of God shed abroad in our heart. Do you know you don't even have to provide your own love? You don't have to provide your own faith. He's giving you a measure of faith. He's giving you his love. And it's with the Holy Spirit in you. It dwells with you. It's with you 24-7 non-stop. All you have to do is learn how to be uh, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we will get to that. We're going to talk about relationship next. So and I want to cut a difference between fellowship and relationship. All right. Fellowship is more intimate. A relationship is uh, I know Joe from work. I see him two, three minutes every day. We pass in the hallway. I say, hey, I know his name. I know what he looks like. I know, Joe, that's a relationship. All right. There's no uh, depth truly to it. It's not like an intimate fellowship. And the best way I can describe an intimate fellowship is like a fellowship between a husband and wife uh, who has a healthy marital relationship. That is an intimate fellowship they can finish one another's thoughts they can finish one another's sentences they know when to lift they know when to to calm down they know when to speak they know when to be quiet they know what to say they know how to lift up their wife or their husband and and uh you know and and they know they they're watching for uh any kind of danger you know to their spouse they're they're constantly caring for and watching. And it's reciprocal, right? It's not one way. It's both. When you have a healthy marital relationship, you spend time and it becomes um, such a part of you that I think a lot of times you probably don't even realize you're doing it. You just automatically do it. And so let's look at relationship real quick. I want to look at Romans 5. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 11, and it reads, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, being now justified by Jesus's blood, shall we be saved from wrath through Jesus? For If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, Jesus, how much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Furthermore, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And reconciliation is an accounting term. Uh, It just means that that. if you think of it as scales, you know sin sin weighed us down. God wasn't able to get in there, right? But He reconciled us to Him, and so now we we uh, had that access to God. There's not sin between us and Him. And then, if we look at this, and we again we didn't have to do anything other than receive Jesus Christ to, uh, to have this. And it was a gift, right? We couldn't earn it. We couldn't work for it. If, if you've gotten caught up into works, just stop, get quiet, get back to the Lord, get him in your heart. Works. Typically what happens there is our communication. If we get over into works and they are not producing, uh, the fruit in our life that they should be producing, then it's quite possible. We've gotten off into our head, And we're doing works through our head and not through our heart. As you grow in the word and you grow in the Lord, you'll learn uh, to tell the difference. Okay. now. I want to look at intimate relationship because this is where we want to get to. This is the objective. We want to be in an intimate relationship with the Lord, our God, so that um, all that he has for us is coming to us through love, not through greed, not through covetousness, not through um, lust, but love, God's love, agape love. So let's look at 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at chapter 6, verse 17. I'm in the King James on this one, and it says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Okay, this joined word, is the same as what's in Matthew 19, 6, which reads, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And he's speaking of man and whoops, pardon me, man and woman, when they come together, they are one. They are joined together. It's an intimate thing. So it's an intimate fellowship. This is the type of fellowship that we are to have with the Lord our God. It takes work. Okay. So let's look at some more things here. I want to look at first John chapter four, verse 16, and it reads, and we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So we're going to expound on the love and, and the fellowship here. Right. Um, 1 John four nineteen. we love him because he first loved us. Again, the gift, grace. Uh, verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Again. Like I said earlier, if some of these verses, if they don't offend you, if they don't bother you, if they don't challenge you, then you're not not hearing, you're not reading, you're not seeing. They're going to challenge you. It is through the challenges and the offenses of the word of God and through God himself that we open our hearts and we say, okay, Lord, I may not understand this and this bothers me, but you know it. And you can show it to me. I open myself up to you. Help me with this. And we let God into us. We don't shut him out. The worldly way to do things is to get up in pride. And ego and vanity. Selfishness. And say, you just don't understand. I can't do this. I can't do that. Or you just don't. I mean, those are some of the silliest words that you hear, but you hear them all the time. You just don't understand. Like nobody has ever been through what you're going through right now. And so we say that. And what that is, is that's a switch. And the devil gets in there and he goes, OK, I have access. I have authority. I can do this now. And he flips that switch and your safety barriers come up and nobody Can get to you except the devil. Is that who you want in there with you? I don't. I want God in there because the devil will just twist you, torment you, pervert you. Um, He will really screw things up in your life and you will think that, uh, what are some of the things I hear? Oh, this world has just got it in for me. Well, in a sense, yeah, it's the devil. Of course he's got it in for you. He's got it in for all of us. You just haven't recognized yet who that force is that has it in for you. Instead, you're looking at the world and you're going, well, that guy at the gas station that was mean to me, he's got it in for me. Well, that gal at the grocery store who Uh, put my eggs on the bottom of the bag and then put juice on top and crushed all my eggs. She's got it in for me, you know, whatever it is. And, and this is where the devil gets in and he will just work you over. And you don't even know you're in the ring with him. So the first thing you need to do is understand who you're in the ring with. And then understand God's not going to let you in the ring with anyone or anything that you cannot defeat through his word. OK, so let's look back here. That was verse 20. Uh, let's see here. Matthew 22, 37 and 40 through 40. So chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This is good. Okay, I want you to get this. What he's just told you in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 40, Jesus is coming in and he's saying, look, here's the, just don't focus on the 10 commandments. It's good to be aware of them. It's good to know what they are. But don't be focused on the law. OK, the Ten Commandments, those are the law. And the 600 and whatever ordinances that, the, that came across through the Jews. That's, you know, don't focus on them. Because if you focus on Jesus and you focus on the two commandments that he gave us, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. All right. And to love your neighbor as yourself. If you are focused on those two things, if you're focused on walking in love, according to the word of God, then a lot of these infractions towards others in the world will stop because you're not focused on the law. You're focused on the love. You're focused on Jesus. That's what it means to walk in love is No one understands it's a spiritual war, all right? And and there are those out there in the world who are deceived, who live in darkness. Now, I'm not talking about the evil and the wicked. I'm just talking about those. They've been deceived. They live in darkness. Uh, Each and every one of us, before we came into the light, was that person. And so, do you look on them and hate them? Or do you look on them and have compassion? And Jesus had compassion. Look on them and have compassion and say, I've been where they are. I've been through similar things and I can remember I could not see beyond the end of my nose as to what to do. And then somebody came alongside me and introduced me to the Lord and helped me. Get through that. So, compassion. Compassion looks at a situation, evaluates the situation, and puts love on there. And uh, you know, it, it, granted, they still have free will. People still have free will, and and it's still their choice, right? But it's it's that love in your heart for God and for God's people. Remember. God loves every person in this world. Everyone that has been, is, and will be. He loves. Excuse me. And so it's not a matter of, well, I should hate them. No, you can hate the sin that they walk in. Right? But love the person. Um, They can be so totally deceived that they, I mean, we're seeing it left and right right now. Uh, so totally deceived that they take the truth and make it a lie, and they take the lie and they make it a truth, and they believe it. In and, and Matthew chapter 24, you can go in and read that. That's part of the end of days. Okay, so let's talk about, now, let's get to the heart. I set it all up, and we're going to get to the heart of the matter. Why should I be obedient? Glory to God. First, it's a heart thing. It's not a head thing. Remember your parents. So, as a child loves his father and wishes for his approval. So, you have a small child, daddy's at work all day, daddy comes home from work, dad, maybe dad's tired, right? Dad's a little impatient, uh, a little distracted. And the child loves his dad and he wants his dad's approval, right? He wants that recognition from his father. And so he does things for his father because he loves him, right? Comes out of love. As a husband loves his wife and wishes for her respect. And this is, and and women don't get upset. It, It, I would double the length of the time of my video if I took the time to say man or woman, he or she, uh, son or daughter. Okay, it's it's mankind all inclusive there. It's just for brevity. I'm using man. I'm using he and so on. So as a husband loves his wife and wishes for her respect. Now, obviously, the husband needs to be doing some some things there that deserve to be respected. But it's because he loves her and he has that intimate fellowship with her that that love is, uh, let's call it a filter, so to speak. It's a buffer between he and she. And so he's not going to come home and be rude to her without remorse. He's not going to come home and go, Uh, you know, you don't have dinner on the table or I don't like what you made for dinner and throw it on the floor and and walk out. He's going to come home. And I'm talking about a husband and wife who have a good marital relationship and intimate fellowship with one another. He's going to come home. He's going to be appreciative. Or if they've been together all day, he's appreciative all day. And he's respectful. He respects her. Okay. You don't look at the woman and see her even though... Uh, The word, although they are the lesser creature, right? And then that's just from stature and physical and all of that. We weren't designed to compete physically with women. And women weren't designed to compete physically with men. We were designed for fellowship. We were designed to be helpmates. All right. And so take competition out of it and replace competition with love. Competition, guys, and and don't take offense to this. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're competing with your spouse, you're being selfish. Because competition is selfish. Competition is about which person or which team can be the best. It's selfish. Now, in and of itself, is that dangerous? No. But if you allow it into your marriage, if you allow it into your fellowship with the Lord, if you allow it into your relationship, in the church even, uh, don't be competitive with people within the church. Who can learn the most verses? Who uh, can spend more time with the pastor or with this person or that person? Or who can look the best on stage? Or Guys, don't compete. Don't compete. Everybody's from a different background, from a different environment. Okay. Everybody has different social skills. What are we to do when we're together as the body of Christ? We are to edify and lift one another up. Help each other grow. Coach, mentor each other. Glory to God. You know? And upon that note, be selective. Don't just trust anybody to come into your life and speak into your life. So as a husband loves his wife. And wishes for respect. So when, when he does something for his wife, he wants that respect to show, to be obvious, to be evident. Right? Just like a wife. If if a wife is busy doing all thing, all kinds of things, and women are incredible because they can, you know, they can get a list of things going, and they can they can accomplish a lot of things, and uh, and still take care of kids and and meals and whatnot, and and it's. But that's. Um, I want to say that's kind of the way they were designed, you know, men, we were designed differently. And and so most men, they focus on one or two things at a time and we like to complete it and then move on to the next thing. And so, but we want that respect. We want that understanding and the wife, the spouse, they want it too. Uh, A great book is, uh, the five love languages. And another great one is, uh, if I had only known, that's a good one. The four pillars of a man's heart, finding the hero in your husband. These are all great books. Get married, stay married. That's, that's a great book. These are great books for helping with marital relationships, but the best book ever in this world for a strong marriage for a strong, intimate fellowship with your spouse is the Bible. It's the best one. You can't eliminate it. It's just, it's a great one. Okay, so let's move on. So as a man loves his teacher and wishes to excel. Now, let's be mature about this. Okay, we're talking about, Let's. Well, I'm using the church here. So a man within the church of Christ, within the body of Christ, He loves his teacher. We're supposed to walk in love, right? So we can have that agape love with our teacher, whoever that teacher is that we've allowed into our lives. And we wish to excel. Well, first of all, a teacher is to help you grow. And if you don't want to excel in your growth, then you need to step back and reevaluate. Again, get out of your head, get into your heart. All right. It's the same kind of thing. Why do we do it? Because we love. Now is a teacher going to correct us? Yes. Will a husband occasionally correct his wife? Yeah. Will a wife occasionally correct a husband? Yeah. Um God's going to correct us. A, a father will correct a child. A mother will correct a child. All right? Correction is not bad. It's necessary. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. And correction can come through somebody else's experience, or we can ignore the correction and we can learn it through our own experience. And I always use the don't touch the hot burner. Mom says don't touch the hot burner. You can trust mom, learn through mom's experience, because maybe mom touched that hot burner at one time. Or you can say, I'm going to learn on my own. And you can reach up and Touch the hot burner. It's going to be hot. So correction um, helps us to avoid a lot of unnecessary experiences. And it, it allows us to grow and to learn through other people's experiences. Right now, as a brother loves his brother and wishes to be honored. It's these are the intimate fellowships. These are the reasons why we're obedient to the Lord, our God. Look, we love him. We're growing in fellowship with God and we desire to be closer and closer with him. We desire to walk worthy of the price that he's paid for us. Right. We desire to uh, to be able to do good works. And and it's not because, well, I'm laying up things in heaven for me for later or, um, you know, I'm going to do this for so-and-so because if I do this for them, then they're obligated to me. They've got to do something for me. Those are selfish things. We're doing it because we love the Lord our God. We're being obedient because we love the Lord our God. All right. Is it pleasant all the time? No, it wasn't designed to be. Growth is not always pleasant. There are some things you're going to grow through that are just downright ugly. And you're not going to enjoy it. And you're going to question, why in the world am I going through this? Okay. You you need to always remember that this world is a fallen world. Adam fell to sin. Death entered in and sin entered in with it. Through the devil, there's, there is the, 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 devil. You can't get away from the devil. And if people are trying to eliminate the devil from their lives or ignore the devil or say he doesn't exist, then they're mistaken. They are uh, losing through deception. That's the easiest way for me to say it. And so there is a devil. It's spiritual warfare. So we don't truly battle things in the flesh as much as we do in the spirit. And so you have God, you've got God's grace, you've got his favor, his blessing upon you. You've got a command, you've got commands from God. Okay. And then you've got the devil and he wants to steal, kill and destroy. But he's only after one thing and that's the word of God. Now, he may have to bring sickness or disease. He may have to bring uh, automobile accidents. He may have to bring Um, financial problems, poverty. I tell you what, sickness and disease and poverty are three of the biggest destructors that the devil uses to steal the word of God from people. And and that's that's truly his only objective, is to steal the word of God so that perhaps, possibly, maybe, he may be able to have victory, and yet he will never, ever have victory over Jesus Christ, because Jesus defeated him once for all. And through Jesus, we have the victory as joint heirs. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as we grow into mature men and women of, of Christ, we have the victory and, and the joy and the pleasure in learning and discovering what all is included in that victory. That's what we spend our lifetime for. Glory to God. It's good. There's things that you're going to find in the word of God that came through his victory over the devil that you go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. I'm taking that. I'm receiving that. Okay. God doesn't give you a box and say, open it and everything that's in it is yours and you have to receive it. No, he says, hey, I've got all these gift boxes stationed in the word of God. I got all these promises and they're all gift wrapped just for you. But you have to take and unwrap it. You have to receive it, unwrap it, and put it to use. Okay? We've all seen little kids at Christmas time and they have 15 gifts and they open one and it's like, oh, this is cool. And they open the next and, well, they forgot the first. Well, then they open the third, they forgot the second and the first. They open the 15th and they've forgotten all 14 others, right? We don't have to do that with the word of God. The promises that God has for us are yes and amen, and they're ours. And so we can unwrap them one at a time, two at a time, five at a time, whatever it is. But take the time to unwrap them and receive them into your heart so that you have them every time you need them or every time you want them. Glory to God. Uh, It's divine Life, the spirit of life that came through Jesus Christ when we received him as our Lord and Savior. It's redeeming us. It's redeemed us from the law of sin and death. If you look at, at uh, 1 Peter 2.24, healing by his stripes, we were heal- healed. Excuse me. So we have divine healing. We also have divine health. That's another just just a, a level above of divine healing. These are things God designed us to walk in from the get go. All right. And Adam fell. And so now we we have to come through the redemption process. We have to be redeemed and then and then learn and receive. And it's just simply amazing. Divine riches. And and so many people, and because poverty is such a big tool of the devil, so many people fall because of riches. Whether they they get off into riches. Or they go, eh, I'm not dealing with riches because uh, money is the root of all evil. And, and and all these misconceptions, okay? And that's something of the devil that he has taken. He's perverted. He's twisted. He's corrupted the word of God. He started with the word of God. And what's the word of God say? The love of money is the root of all evil. So the devil took that. He sliced, he diced, he twisted he put it back together and people hear money is the root of all evil. And they lose out because now money is the enemy and the devil's sitting there laughing because he's going, I got you. Poverty is yours. Thank you. I can twist you, manipulate you. I can do whatever I need to do through you, in you, in this world, because you've given me access because you bought my life. Healing, same thing. All this sickness and disease in the world and and God's sitting there going, hey, I've done everything I'm going to do through Jesus Christ about sickness and disease. He's also done everything he's going to do about ownership of this world through Jesus Christ. So through Jesus, we took Jesus took, I should say, through the victory, he took this world back. But see, he's seated up at the right hand of the throne with God, but he's left instructions. He's left the Holy Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. He's left that for us. He's left the lessons that he taught the 12 apostles. All of this information coming in to us, we got to receive it in our hearts. So as a believer, as a joint heir in Christ, because I've been redeemed, I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Everything he secured in his victory is my victory. I'm a joint heir, though. That means I can't give it away. Now, I can refuse to receive it. I can be ignorant of it and not receive it. Um, I can allow the devil to get in there and cause doubt and confusion about what I'm able to receive and what I'm not able to receive about what Jesus actually did and what he didn't do because the devil, he just comes to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to take that word away from you. So why should I be obedient? Because Jesus Christ secured everything for you in the victory over the devil. And he paraded him around like the fool that he is. And the sooner you learn to kick the devil in the teeth, And to stand in victory, the sooner you can lead others to the same place. Glory to God. That's a good word. And and there is so much to this, but it requires growth. It requires the responsibility to say, hey, I see the word of God. Maybe I don't understand it, but I see it. I know there's people out there who do understand it. And I'm going to find one that I can trust and he's and I'm going to find a good church. I'll get planted in a church. People, if you're helping people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want you to know, don't stop until you get them planted in a church. All right. Because if you, glory be to God. Let's use fishing as an example. If I'm fishing. And I'm doing catch and release. If I catch a fish, which is leading them to the Lord. And when I release, I don't release into a church, a good church. Then I might as well be throwing that fish back out on the bank and just letting him flop around till he dies. All right. Or representing a good church, taking, putting back into good, clean, healthy water and releasing. All right. That's the difference. If you help somebody come to the Lord to receive Christ, do the next step, which is actually almost or more important than the first, because let me get into that for a second, get them into a good church so that they can get planted. They can take root and they can grow. All right. For those who don't do this step, what we do is we throw the fish on the bank and we leave them to their own demise. Well, maybe they'll flop hard enough and in the right direction that they end up back in the water. Which is the same as, well, maybe they'll desire it so much that they actually seek out and find a church on their own. Do you want to know? Through the parables of Jesus Christ, we see that that only happens a very small percentage of the time. Majority of the time the devil gets in there and destroys whatever is done before it can take root and it can grow up into a healthy, mature Christian. And so we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility as a believer to grow in the Lord. To be active and intentional about that. We have a responsibility as a believer that when we lead others to the Lord, that we help lead them to a good church. Okay. That being said, why should I be obedient? For me, because I love God. He's my father. He's my Lord, my savior, my comforter, my counselor, because God is three in one. He's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy ghost. And I have an intimate fellowship with him. I, there's, there's not, I've come to the point, there's not a day in my life that goes by that I'm not in communication with him. All right. And because he's always with me, always. He has that intimate relationship, that intimate fellowship with me, and I have it with him. And when I get into error, he corrects me. And trust me, he does correct me. Okay. There's been times where I've gotten off into error uh, through ignorance or through emotions. Because we still have emotions. We got to keep our spirit man in the lead, but we still have emotions that we battle with. We still have uh, flesh that we deal with. this the, the natural senses that we deal with. Okay. But it's ours And it's our responsibility. It's his power, his authority, his word, so that we can put his super with our natural and we can live a supernatural life. Don't get caught up in the spectacular. All right. That's what a lot of Matthew 24 is about. When you read about the end of days, it's talking about this act is spectacular and that, you know, volcanoes and earthquakes and tornadoes and this disaster and that disaster. And they're spectacular. They're they're designed to draw attention from people in the world who are caught up in the spectacular. Don't get caught up in the spectacular. Even the miracles. okay? yeah, we love to to see people have hands laid on them and an instant miraculous healing. And they jump up and they walk off celebrating God. We, we love to see that. It, it's just such a uh, such a ball of energy in you that just ignites. Right. But the one who got hands laid on them and got up, didn't feel a thing, got up and walked away. And as they went. They were healed. That may not be spectacular, but it's supernatural. It's God at work. And we need to be as hyped about that. We need to be as excited and energetic and loving and compassionate about that as we are the supernatural that takes place where there is a a spectacular element to it. Okay, so don't get caught up in all of that. But we do it because of love. We're obedient because we love God. He says, hey. Have faith. Go lay hands on this person. Go lay hands and pray the prayer of faith over them and they will be healed. Now, did he tell you or me in the word of God that it would be instant? Uh Uh-uh. He didn't put a time limit on it. There's so many variables. Don't get caught up in why didn't I. Get caught up in how do I. Okay. Change your perspective. If God said you were healed and you're having issues with healing. No one understand God's word is the truth. So the error is not in God's word. It's in us. Something we're saying, something we're doing, something we're not saying, something we're not doing. Uh, we're, we're not mature enough. We don't understand. We don't comprehend whatever it is. It's in us. So then we can stop and we can go to the Lord. Okay. And we can say, Father, glory to God, your word. And first Peter 2.24 says, by your stripes, we were healed. In Psalm 107.20, it says, God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So I know healing's there. I know it belongs to me, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not living in it. Father, where am I missing it? And just be humble about it. Don't get caught up in emotions. Don't get caught up in in what other people are telling you, because people will tell you a lot of things. Okay? Just get quiet. Talk to the one who knows the truth and knows how to use the truth and who gave you his son. He gave you his name for the authority. Glory to God to give you the Holy Spirit that indwells you, that brings all things that He said to remembrance. Okay? Get quiet and fellowship with the Lord. And when you've done that, if you still have questions, you get with somebody that you know that you can trust, that you know can hear from the Lord, and you sit with them. And you're going to come to find out what you're missing, um, how to correct it. It may be as simple as a change in your heart. Maybe God needs you to change something that's in your heart. And and that's what's stopping you. It's, there are a lot of, look, guys, for healing, um, there's a lot of ministers out there who have such good material. My favorite go-to is Kenneth e. Hagan on healing. Uh, but there are so many Gloria Copeland has a lot of stuff on healing okay and there are many many more uh Billy Burke glory to God uh, he's he's it's amazing to watch watch the spirit I don't want to say watch him work because it's not him he's a willing vessel for the Holy Spirit the Spirit of God to move and work through do you understand that? It's not the person. The person doesn't get you saved. The person doesn't get you healed. They lead you to it. And they allow the Holy Spirit to work through them. But it's the Holy Spirit doing it. All right. Um, Yeah, I think it's a good place to jump off. God loves you. And because of his love, because of his grace, his gifts, his promises to us that are yes and amen. Amen. Because of these things, because of the intimate fellowship that we develop with him, we look to him as our father and so much more. And, and we say, Lord, yeah, we we love you. And, and that's why I want to be obedient. I, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and, you know, I know that grieving the Holy Spirit's not necessarily terminal. It's not terminal, but it, it's... If it hurts your heart, Lord, it hurts my heart. Do you understand that, folks? That's where you need to. That's, that's what this is all about. God knows your heart. Do you know his? Praise the Lord. I just pray the Lord would show you, show you his heart. That you would know it. See it, hear it, feel it, touch it. Let it overwhelm you. The love of God is so overwhelming. <laughs> the presence of God. For some, it floors them. They hit the floor. They fall out. For some, they dance. For some, they sing. For some, they spout out in tongues. For others, glory to God, they'll They'll cry. Tears of joy will will run down your face and you don't even know why you're crying. It's just that his presence is so overwhelming. His love is so overwhelming. Get to know God's heart. Mm. Praise you, Jesus. I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to leave you with that. That's such a good place to drop off. Why do I want to be? Why should I be obedient? Because I know the heart of the Lord. And because he knows me, glory to God. And I love him and he loves me. That's, that's it right there. Praise the Lord. I pray you have a blessed and fruitful Sunday. And I pray that you spend from now to the time you join him in heaven, getting to know God's heart. Hmm through God the Father, through God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and through the Holy Word that he gave us in the form of the Holy Bible. Thank you, Lord. Be blessed, and we will see you next week.